From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Well, we are talking about selling today and sales, but probably in a way that you have never thought of before, specifically selling through the written word, right? We think of salespeople as these amazing talkers, these people who have the gift of gab, they're good with people, and yet because of the digital world that we live in, more and more persuasion, communication in general is happening through email and social media, and the written word is a key part of all of communication and is something that, whether we like it or not, is something that we have to get better at. And there is a whole world, a whole universe called copywriting, which has been around for years. The the art and science of selling, moving people uh, through the written word, and we have basically the, the the father of it all, the man who is kind of the master in that space and has been for many, many years. His name is Ray Edwards. And at the end of the show, not only am I going to capture and highlight the things that I took away, I'm going to share with you my two greatest writing secrets of all time. I got two of them. I'm going to share both of them with you. So this is an episode you don't want to miss. It's going to be great. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. Ray Edwards is the man that you are about to meet, and he is, at least in my eyes, and I think this should make it official, the 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 master father of copywriting. Uh, truly a legend if you know anything about copywriting, which is um, a very specific skill, and I think I first heard his name, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago um, when I first was really getting started, and uh, we were starting to build Southwestern Consulting. And so he has worked with several New York Times bestselling authors, Michael Hyatt, we've had him on the show before, Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins, and um, is a real master at using the written word to sell. And I thought that would be so relevant to those of you both that are in sales specifically, um, and then also to those of you that are, are sort of building businesses and, and you do a variety of different types of marketing copy um, He's the founder of Ray Edwards International, which kind of teaches copywriting. They do consulting and coaching and, you know, help with doing product launches um, and, you know, just kind of training. And he has a course coming out that I'll let him share a little bit here later on. But anyways, Ray, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. And I got to say, I think I'm just going to carry the recording of this around 
<laughs> you introduced me to people. I love that. It was very well, honoring. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of the same friends, and it's kind of surprising that it took us this long to meet, but uh, I just, I, I'm a fan because I'm so interested in what you teach. And I think, you know, I grew up as a sales guy, uh, knocked on doors. Uh, I've, I've talked about it and, you know, that was, I, uh, and, and that's what we do at Southwestern. We love salespeople. We teach sales. We elevate sales. That's the whole, you know, mission statement of the company is, is elevating the practice and perception of sales. And when I started learning about copywriting, you know, I, I didn't realize there was this whole unique niche because I, I went from being a salesperson to then being a writer and I was an author. And then I realized, hey, the writing that you do in a book is much different than the copywriting, what you do to sell. And so my current philosophy, and I want you to tell me if I'm off or or what you think about this, is that copywriting is basically just a sales presentation on paper. Um, do you agree with that? Or if not, why not? I absolutely do agree with that. There's a story. Uh, I wrote a book called How to Write Copy That Sells. And uh, there's a story about a guy named John Kennedy. It was back in 1904. He went and spoke with one of the, well, the top advertising guy in the world at that time, Albert Lasker. And he was, he was provocative in his approach to Lasker because he said, I know what advertising is and you don't. And if you'll meet with me, I'll tell you what it is. And Kennedy's statement has kind of gone down in the annals of copywriting and direct marketing. And it is, he said this, advertising is salesmanship in print. Hmm. And it, it was true then, it's true now, except now print is not just on paper. Print includes anywhere we're communicating. So it could be in a webinar, online, it could be like a brochure, it could be a letter you send in the mail, it could be email. But it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's salesmanship in print. Hmm. So I, I love that. And it's, I think that the explosion of social media is, is a fascinating for many reasons. But one of the things to me is that every individual person is suddenly a media company. They're producing content, whether they, whether they think about it that way or not. It's like, we now are all media companies. We're all 24 hour news channels and we're all you know, writing things about our lives. And so I think when you look at it, copywriting specifically using the written word to generate sales and sales really being about trust, what are some of the things, you know, like if you ask me, hey, how do you build trust in a conversation with somebody? I, you know, we could, we could give you a list of them, but Southwest Consulting, you want to do this and this and, you know, how do you do it through writing? Like what, how do you use the written word to build trust with somebody that, so that it kind of creates that foundation that maybe one day they might buy something from you? Well, first of all, I think you have to come from a heart of service. And this may sound a little uh, foo-foo to people, but it, it's so true. People have, um, we have built in, uh, I call them BS detectors. That stands for belief system, <laughs> have a, a false belief system. Uh, and, and when somebody is trying to promote a false belief system to us, we know it. We, our, our meter goes off and we're like, oh, this person is trying to fool me. And so social media has only amplified our ability to communicate and we communicate in a way that is either credible and relevant to people or a way that puts them off, that makes them feel like there's some kind of manipulation happening and they don't like it. So I feel that the, the keys to writing in a way that is influential without being manipulative is to be relevant to the life of the person you're writing to, to be enthusiastic about what you are communicating. I mean, I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, 
salesmanship is the transfer of enthusiasm. So if you're, if you're not transferring any enthusiasm, you're not going to probably get a response. And then I believe our writing needs to be aspirational. It needs to mm. speak to what the people are trying to uh, achieve. There's a, there's a whole school of thought that says that we should use a, a carrot and stick approach uh, and kind of beat people up with pain and fear and, and then push them toward the reward. And I understand there's a psychological principle at work there, but I also understand people are not donkeys. So <laughs> probably should try to treat Well, them. some of them. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so the, the final two things that I believe need to be present in all of our writing, whether we're writing what we think of as content or we're writing a pure flat sales message, I still think all these things apply. And the two final and probably most important pieces are your writing needs to be congruent mm. with the actual way you behave and live, and it needs to be helpful. Hmm. Man. So uh, I want to, so relevant, enthusiastic, aspirational, and congruent, those are the building blocks, right? And helpful, yes. And helpful, sorry. And if you're um, into uh, acronyms, you may notice that that spells the word REACH. Oh, I love acronyms. Everybody that knows me knows that I love, I love acronyms. Another um, thing we have in common. <laughs> so, okay, I want to tackle the enthusiastic one for a second, because I think this is something that I struggled with in sales. A lot of our coaching clients struggle with this. Um, and I think, like you said, it's now amplified in the world um, today is, so how do you find that balance between being enthusiastic, telling somebody, look, I have something of value for you. This, if, if you're, you have this problem or you want this, this outcome, this will really help you. How do you find the balance between enthusiastically promoting an ethical and credible solution withdrawing the line of being cheesy and over promotional and slimy and pushy? Like, how do you find that balance when it, in the writing of it? Well, I, I, I will give you an answer and then I'll share a quick example if that's okay. Okay. So the answer to the question is, um, be sure that you are truly enthusiastic about what you're trying to communicate, whether it is a sales message or you're trying to convey an idea or persuade people to just believe something or think about a, a, a subject in a certain way, but be sure that you are enthusiastic and then be enthusiastic in an unbridled way. And I think that as long as you do that, I think it comes from a place of motivation. If your motivation is to get people to do what you want them to do so that it benefits you, even if it's the right thing to do, I believe people feel that and they know that you're trying to pressure them into doing something for your own motivation. If your motivation is truly to get them to do what's in their best interest, then I believe they feel that. And it comes down to the difference between persuasion and manipulation. And I believe the difference is that if you persuade me to do something, that is a decision that I will later celebrate. Hmm. But if manipulate me into doing something, that is a decision I will later regret. Hmm. That is so powerful. What a great litmus test. Persuasion, celebrate. So it's basically celebrate versus regret. And that is kind of the litmus test to go, how are the, how is your person, you know, your prospect or your customer going to feel afterwards? And if it's, if it's regret, then you, you miss the mark, obviously. Yes. And then I think we have to think about, um, 
where does pressure come into the selling and buying equation? Yeah. I think pressure is a good idea, but again, there's a polarity. There's external pressure. That's where I manipulate you and back you into a corner and try to trap you into saying things that get you more and more committed so that you are kind of ashamed not to go through with the transaction. You, you become embarrassed about the idea of saying no because it would invalidate everything you just said yes to. And so that's external pressure. Internal pressure is where I'm communicating to you enthusiastically the benefits of what I have to offer and how it'll help solve your problems. And you begin to internally feel, I need this. I want this. And we've all had this experience. Like maybe we went to a website, we wanted to buy a piece of exercise equipment, or we wanted a membership in a, in a certain gym, or we wanted a house or a car. But instead of being externally pressured, we felt internal pressure and we felt like, we thought about it. We maybe printed out the specs. We discussed it with other people. And more and more, the internal pressure that's generated by ourselves, by our inner desires and needs, led us to say, yes, I'm going to buy that. So I think we should be helping people to develop internal pressure for their reasons in their best interest and leave the decision, the yes or no, really up to them. Because in truth, it really is anyway. Hmm. So strong. And you're saying you can do that through writing. Like, cause I think it, people go, well, yeah, I can tell, I can tell your motives when I see you face to face or I talk to you cause I have the sort of vocal intonation, but you're saying you think that all of that same emotion and motive and sort of pressure, you know, or persuasion versus manipulation, all of that can be sensed through writing just the same. Yes. If we imbue our writing with value, even our most straightforward, intentional marketing pieces. If we're writing sales copy to sell a product or a service, if we pump that writing full of value, I mean, my philosophy is that your marketing should be valuable in and of itself. If people never buy anything you sell, they should be able to walk away from your most direct sales copy, direct sales communication, and feel like it was worth their time. They got something. We In our company, we have a saying, and that is, that marketing should be something you do for people, mm. not something you do to them. Mm-hmm. I love that. And just the marketing itself, whatever, it's kind of like you give them valuable information in exchange for the currency of the time of their attention it took to read it. Yes. I, I want to talk about email just quickly. I know this is probably maybe, maybe, maybe not inside outside the kind of normal vein of what you talk about, but I feel like, you know, like I look at our team, Southwestern Consulting, and, and how many of their sales and their appointments that they set are happening over email correspondence. And it's definitely going up and has been consistently going up. And, you know, we, we our, our business revolves around the phone, right? We, we do it all over the phone, which is great. But even so, it's usually there's like an initial contact and we set the appointment, but then, you know, there's still some aspect. So do you have any tips for how to sell an email or like things we should do or shouldn't be doing in our, in our emails? Yes, um, I, I really do. And I'm going to, I want to be very transparent and say that, I am borrowing this wholesale from the guy who I think really invented email marketing, Seth Godin. Hmm. He wrote a book called Permission Marketing. And uh, if you haven't read it, you should immediately go get it and read it and use that as your Bible of 
marketing via email because it's still as relevant today as it was like, I think 12 years ago when he published it. Um, so what he says about email is that it should be anticipated. So they're expecting to get an email from you about something and they they want to get it, not just do they expect it because I expect to get a certain amount of spam. So we don't want to be put in that category. We want to be positively anticipated. Your email needs to be relevant to not only the discussion that the email comes in the context of maybe you've spoken on the phone or maybe you haven't, maybe they just fill out a form on your website, but it needs to be relevant to whatever has taken place up till now. And it needs to be personal. And I'm not talking about just like putting the name in, you know, so that it says, dear Ray, because we all know that's a trick. Um, most of us know that. So I think trying to personalize by just sticking somebody's name in the email is not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you need to demonstrate a knowledge of their core problem that you're going to help them solve. Because whatever you're selling, you're helping solve a problem. And if you're not, then you should go sell something that helps solve a problem. And if you do those three things, you're anticipated, you're relevant, and it's personalized, that'll go a long way toward making your emails more effective in marketing and selling. And it'll get them opened, it'll get them read. Um, and that leads to just two really practical tips. And number, the first tip is make the subject line curiosity invoking. And I can't really give you a formula for this. I can tell you, go through your inbox and look at the emails that you clicked that you didn't maybe even know the person they were from, but the subject line got you to open it and start saving those subject lines and think about how can I adapt that subject line to my communications and use it in a way that's relevant to my business and my prospects. And then the second practical tip is, I think it's a mistake to send email that looks like an ad. And we all know what I'm talking about. It looks like the same thing as a magazine ad. It has a big header, a big graphic, a logo. Uh, and there are times when that's appropriate, but especially in selling emails, I want my emails to look like the emails that I open from friends or people that I know. And, you know, my, my wife, when she sends me an email, does not send a logo at the top of the email. <laughs> That'd be funny if she did. Uh, wifey here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just think I would look at in my inbox and look at the emails that I open from friends, colleagues, associates, and ask myself, what are the things that these emails have in common? And most of them are written very conversationally. They're, they're very um, plain in terms of graphic design. It's probably black type on a white background. Um, they usually don't have a lot of pictures. And the language is very non-corporate. So it's not like we, us, talking about the company, our. It's, it's more like it's, it's about you. It's, hi, Ray. How are you today? I, I wanted to mention something to you. Maybe you've heard about this. Maybe you haven't, but I thought you might be interested in it. So it's just a conversational tone. It's anticipated, relevant, and personal. And it looks like an email from a friend. Mm -hmm. So on the subject line, just really quick. So you think curiosity, is that going to get better open rates than like leading with a benefit statement? I mean, you hear about like, you know, go with the benefit statement. But on one, one thing, I don't know if I heard this from you or somebody else, but they said, you don't know, remember the only thing that matters about the subject line, it only serves one purpose, which is getting people to open the email. And so it's kind of like you could do a fear-based subject line, you could do like a benefit, and but yours is it? I mean, I know you you've done 
you know, some of the biggest email campaigns in history. In your curiosity, is that kind of like the safe one to go with? Well, um, any of these can be misused and backfire on you and not work. And I mean, I've said that that's the job of the subject line, but I'm not the only person to have said that. So I won't claim to have originated it, but I will tell you, I'll give you an example of some of the best testing subject lines I've ever used in an email campaign. When I say best testing, we just look at the open rates of the email and which one's got the highest open rates. And that's how we know which ones are the best subject lines. Um, One of the top subject lines that we've ever used was this. BFO, I just had. Dot, dot, dot. Now, oh, I just had. BFO, I just had. Now, that is not a benefit-driven subject line. Um, It is definitely curiosity-based. And the the follow-on to that, the rest of the email was, BFO stands for Blinding Flash of the Obvious. I just realized, and then I went into the text of the email. And we've used that in uh, several different campaigns now since I've used it the first time. Um, so that's, that's an example of a curiosity-evoking subject line. Another approach is to use a, uh, a dominant emotion-based subject line. And you got to be careful with this because this can backfire on you. But um, let's just pretend that there was a say recently, a big political event that upset a lot of people. <laughs> All right, I'll, imag- I'll try to imagine. I'll use the most of my creativity here. If Yeah, you got to really picture this. So if there had been such an event, then a subject line you might send out might be something like this. Why your emotions about the election say more about you than they do about the election? Hmm. Now, that's kind of a, a long subject line. It's longer than I normally recommend. But that is a subject line that one of our people sent out uh, to a small list and ended up getting 300 and some thousand visitors to the website in the first three days that the email went out. Hmm. Uh, and it was not a, political, a politically charged email. It was simply kind of hijacking the emotions of something that we knew was in the hearts of people at the moment. When I say hijacking, what I really mean is plugging into how are people feeling right now? And we actually were, were taking that situation and refocusing the energy in a positive direction. So it's the same thing that it's the same thing that Jimmy Fallon does and his comedy routine every, every night, almost like just whatever's, whatever is, you know, whatever's relevant to people. Yeah. A lot of the same principles that would apply to, uh, a conversational, a, a sales conversation apply to a sales page or to a sales email is, you know, being respectful and, you know, listening to them and understanding their needs and, you know, those, those kinds of things. But, um, yes, yeah, that, that's so beautiful that you said that because we actually talk about this being a conversation, even though maybe it's all one sided, we're writing stuff to people. And it's one of the reasons why people ask me, well, why does sales copy have to be so dang long? Do people actually read all that? Um, only the people who are going to buy from you. <laughs> and so the, the reason that we, we have to write a little more copy sometimes, not always, but sometimes, is because in a conversation that's two-way, I can read your facial expression, your body language. I can see whether you're interested, engaged, or you're distracted, or looking at your iPhone or whatever. And I can shift the, the conversation. But online, if it's th- whether it's through a video or in an email or on a web page or landing page, I have to anticipate what are all your questions? What are the things you're going to want to know? And I have to answer them in advance. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's often longer than we think it should be. But it's, I mean, there's no such thing as copy that's too long. There's just copy that's too boring. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, um, that is powerful. Well, um, so we have gone a little bit long here, but I, uh, man, I could talk to you about this for hours. Where, where do you want people to go, Ray? I know that you, you kind of, you've got course coming up on this. You have your book, how to write copy that sells like for people that really are going to go and, okay, this is, you know, learning how to write in a way that will help me sell. What, what, uh, where do you want them to go? So just go to, we'll set up a special link. If you just go to rayedwards.com, this is a skill that people need more and more because we are tweeting, we are Facebooking, we're, we're updating our LinkedIn status, we're emailing back and forth with prospects, not just like, you know, sending broadcast emails, but just emailing with somebody that I met at a networking event last week, and I'm trying to get them to either call me back or set an appointment or, or uh, whatever. So um, in the spirit of value, I always wanted to leave um, on a... On a you know, one final question for you. And this actually comes from your book. There's a, there's the chapter on uh, the secrets of writing blockbuster copy by watching movies. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So what does, what does, what, what does movies have to teach us about writing copy? Well, stories are the most powerful form of communication in existence. We've, we know through scientific studies like functional MRIs, we can watch what parts of the brain light up when we're being told a story. And we know that when we're watching or hearing a story, that the part of our brain that has to do with skepticism, logic, and reason shuts down. And the part of our brain that has to do with creativity and visualization and imagination lights up. And now this could be misused. You could use it to manipulate people into doing something that you don't necessarily think is in their best interest, but I encourage you not to do that. I encourage you to think about this as a way of opening up the gate to the heart of your prospect to connect with them at a level where they can receive some value from you and maybe be open to your ideas. And so watching movies is a great way to study how filmmakers figure out what the, I call it the dominant story idea of their movie is. And we call it the DSI, dominant story idea. And it offers a sample of the feelings that people will get from the movie itself and it provide it provides proof that the movie works. So when we see a trailer for a movie, that's what we're getting. We're getting the dominant story idea, a sample of the feelings that come from the movie and proof that the movie quote works. And so if they're telling the truth in the trailer, when we go see the movie, we have those feelings confirmed. And so what I think we can learn from that as marketers, copywriters and salespeople, Hmm. especially is to think in terms of what is the dominant story idea of why this person may want to buy my product or engage my service. What are the feelings that they're looking for and how can I give them a sample of that? Mm. That is so powerful. That is such a key part that, and about the logical part of our brain actually shuts down when we're listening to stories. That's pretty powerful. Um, well, buddy, I, I appreciate you. You influenced me and, and helped me, uh, and helped our team at Southwestern Consulting to just reach more people with the mission that we're on. I think be, be by learning, you know, some of these some of these principles, not tactics, but the principles of writing great copy, and just appreciate your heart in in all of this. And uh, and you know, I just I think I think you're awesome. So appreciate you coming on the show, buddy. We wish you the best. That makes my day. Thank you so much. What a cool. Dude, and I love his philosophy and his heart, right? You can just hear his heart that he is a servant's heart, right? He's a servant seller, what we talk about all the time on this show, and that makes me excited. And um, 
I've known about Ray for a long time and just recently got connected with him through some friends and just admired his work and learned a lot from his work. And you can see why, right? Like not only is it, you know, philosophically aligned, it's good, right? It's really good. And the, the information is, is valuable. And so I just wanted to capture the sort of seven highlights from the show and then share with you my two greatest writing secrets. So you're going to want to stick around for those for sure. Um, but number one is just exactly what he was saying about being focused on serving. And you know at Southwestern, this is one of our signature catchphrases, it's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. It's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. And when you're writing, just getting into that same mode, whether it's an email or it's a tweet or it's a Facebook post or it's a blog post or you're writing a copy for a sales page or you know, again, for cereal box. I mean, there's all these different places that we're going to write, but, but I loved hearing his conviction of saying the same way you can hear if somebody's out to sort of like take advantage of you when you're talking to them, it's almost like you can sense it still just the same through writing. And inversely, when you can, you, you can, you can feel through the writing when somebody just wants to serve you, when they truly want to help you. And the fact that they have something for sale is sort of ancillary. It's, it's like they're, they're, they're there because they're serving. And I just think that that's, that's so powerful. And, and so, you know, that was a good reminder for me, actually, of, of, our, of our own philosophy. It's, it's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. But number two was the litmus test. Like, how do you know? So how do you know if you're too pushy? How do you know if you're too aggressive? It's, it's very simple. How will your customer feel after the transaction? Boom. I love that. I've never really thought about it in, in that way. You know, I've always kind of thought about it if just my own little gut check in my heart. But I think that's a powerful way to, to get outside of ourselves and just kind of go, where, how am I going to leave this person feeling? Like, what is the final result of, of the way that they are left feeling after interacting with me or after interacting with my company? And that, that's, that's great. That's powerful. That's real. Um, that's raw. And, um, you know, I just, I think that it spoke to what he was talking about there at the end with the movie is, is like how a movie trailer, it's, it's a sample experience of what people are going to get. It's a sample like emotion of what it's going to be like to watch the movie. And that's what our marketing should be like. It should be a sample um, experience, sample emotions, sample solutions to what they are, are going to get, which is kind of ironic, right? That's what this whole podcast is, right? This is a, we give this away for free. It's just a small sliver of all the things that we cover when we're coaching somebody. And there's so many episodes here. There's so much content because, and that's why we're, we're walking people through one-on-one and coaching is because there's, they need help taking all this and assimilating it, right? For their specific industry or business or, or, or whatever. But this is, is hopefully a sample of the experience you would have if you were in coaching with us or if you were in the mastermind with me or you know any interaction that you would have with Southwestern Consulting. And your writing should be the same way and our writing should be the same way. We're actually going through this process right now. We're, we're uh, getting ready to launch a brand new website uh, for all of Southwestern Consulting and every entity associated with it. It's been like two and a half years in the making and we're we are finally getting to the reality of where the coding is happening and we're putting the content and it's a complete rebrand. It's going to be huge for us. Just uh, new logos, new looks, new colors, new everything. <laughs> Number three, coming to on this same vein of the litmus test of, of pressuring people, 
was raised distinction between external pressure, which is pressure coming from you as the writer or as the salesperson, versus internal pressure, this sort of um, this welling up of desire to improve your own of, of the, for the customer, the prospect to improve their own situation. Uh, that was so good. Again, just just good stuff. And you, uh, Ray has that heart, and I think that's another great litmus test: is are we pressuring them, or are we sort of facilitating them uncovering? if they really have a motive to move and to make a change. And that's the difference between internal pressure versus external pressure. That is so strong. Um, I wrote this down, so this was number four for me, just in terms of a little checklist of, of what are the elements that your sales copy should have. And whether you're writing a one-on-one email to a prospect that you met last week, or you're writing a landing page to launch, you know, do some product launch or, you know, all the different things, is, is reach, R-E-A-C-H. And I just wanted to make sure you didn't miss this from before. So it's got to be relevant. It should be enthusiastic. It should be aspirational. should be congruent, and it should be helpful. Relevant, like, to that person's situation and what the, inside the context of what you've been talking about, right? Like, don't talk to somebody about, you know, whatever, sales coaching, and then suddenly they're going to get an email about like, hey, here's how to lose weight or something, right? Like that isn't really what you're after. Um, And then enthusiastic, and we've covered a lot about on on that, the balance between being too enthusiastic, but, um, and then aspirational, not not just beating people up with pain, not, not just finding pain. I think uncovering pain is a good thing, but, but it's more than that. It's not about the pain. It's about the promise it's not about the pain. It's about the promise. What is the transformation you're going to create in their life? What is the future? What is the, the vision of what's possible? That's great copywriting, and that's real selling, is selling the vision of what's possible. Not about the pain, but about the promise. Um, inspired from Ray Edwards on uh, being aspirational and being congruent right? People sniff right through that. And I think that's so true, the inauthenticity of, you know, in some ways here, it's like you just need to be yourself. Let your personality kind of come through in writing, because if you're trying to do something other than that, it's going to create a problem later. There's this breakdown. And then being helpful. And I'm reminded of uh, my good, one of my good, good friends, Jay Bear, multiple guests here, uh, appearance on Action Catalyst in um, author of Utility, and, you know, he talks about marketing that is so useful, people would pay for it. People would pay for the marketing that you're giving them. And I just, I, th- I think his book, Utility, is a complete game changer for the future of selling and marketing and really, really good stuff if you haven't, if you haven't read it. But, um, so be helpful. Uh, number five thing that I learned from Ray Edwards, curiosity in the subject lines. Boom. I mean, how cool to just have the 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 perspective here of somebody who has literally sent tens of millions of emails on behalf of some of the world's you know biggest database holders um, and information marketers and companies and things and just um, him saying that curiosity is a great thing that that's a great win in the subject line I think uh, that was powerful simple but like cool good to know great <laughs> great tip. Uh, number six, no such thing as copy that's too long, only copy that's too boring. 
write that down, tweet that out and tweet Ray Edwards and, um, you know, just let him know that you heard that no such thing as copy that's too long, only copy that's too boring, right? No, no such thing as a book that's too long, just a book that's too boring. No such thing as a, you know, email correspondence that's too long, just too boring. Although that one, maybe not so much in terms of, uh, email. Uh, my wife likes, she has the preview pain rule, which is pretty good, which is, you know, keep it to what they can see in without having to actually open the email and scroll. But, you know, in general, the the principle here that he's talking about, I think, is is great. Is is if you're doing this stuff the right way, it's not about length. It's it's just about you know emotion. And then number seven, stories are the most powerful mechanism of persuasion. Which I've totally heard that before. We've had plenty of people on here talk about the power of story. I've talked about the power of story. I've shared with you in past episodes some of our our secrets for our storytelling frameworks. Um, vast and whatnot, but the 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 part that really captured me was where he was talking about the functional MRIs, and that the logical part of our brain, which I assume he's talking about, is the cere- the cerebral like cortex, is this logical part of our brain. It actually shuts down when we're listening to stories, and the creative part of our brain opens up. I mean, how? magical <laughs> how how transformational right like it's one thing to say stories are powerful it's another to say look the near the way the neuroscience works here is that when you talk in terms of stories people's filter of you know that's not possible that's not real that's not whatever tends to shut down and in many cases completely shuts down and the creative part that makes us open to exploring possibility and just whatever completely opens which makes all the sense in the world right you have all these crazy movies that are just ridiculous like sci-fi or fantasy i'm not saying they're ridiculous like you shouldn't watch i'm just saying like they're pretty far out there compared to our normal everyday life but people get completely sucked up in them we love that we love letting go of logic we love leaving logic behind we love just launching into you know fantasy and 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 that's what the future that's what stories do is it makes it makes the future possible and that is so so cool so those were my seven big takeaways be a great writer and you will be a great salesperson well that about wraps up the action catalyst podcast for this week If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.